Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NASPA Leadership Podcast presented by the Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. My name is John Mark Day, and I'm thrilled to be your host. Now, this is our second of three episodes about leading through crisis. Uh, so we've talked about crisis leadership as a field of study and, and what we have learned from that. But today we are honored to welcome a true voice of experience in leading through times of crisis, Cynthia Cherry. Cynthia is the president and CEO of the International Leadership Association, or ILA, which is a global association committed to advancing quality research, teaching, and practices of leadership for a better world. Now, as president of a multi-sector and global leadership network, she works at promoting rigor and relevance of leadership at the intersection of theory and practice. Now, previously, Cynthia served as lecturer in the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs and vice president for campus life at Princeton University. Dr. Cherry speaks to nonprofit and for-profit organizations around the world and writes in the areas of leadership, organizational change, and higher education. Cynthia's speaking and writing explores leadership in an interdependent global culture. She co-authored Systemic Leadership, Enriching the Meaning of Our Work. She's co-edited, uh, she co-edits uh, ILA's Building Leadership Bridges book series and Women and Leadership Around the World. And recently she participated in a podcast series for Voice America's business channel on global leadership. Cynthia serves on the editorial board of Asian Women and Cambridge University Press Elements series. She's a Mahler Leadership Scholar at Cambridge University, a fellow at the World Business Academy, a Royal Society of the Arts fellow, and a recipient of a J.W. Fulbright Scholarship. Cynthia, welcome. We are so thrilled to have you here today. John, it's a pleasure to be here and especially to be talking with all of my um, great student affairs colleagues. Um, it's my home. And so um, being able to do this with NASPA is just a, a true joy for me. So thank you for the invitation to be here. Well, you're welcome. We, we are thrilled to have you. And, and uh, it's been great getting to talk with several folks who uh, have come from the field of, of student affairs and you know, still consider at home. And, and you know, we, will, we always consider you all family. And so, so it's, it's exciting to get to talk to people. Uh, regardless of where they are now. So, so let's talk actually a little bit about that experience. You have some experience leading in times of crisis. Uh, share some of that with us, if you would. Well, um, John, as you know, anybody and everybody in student affairs has to work through um, crises. Absolutely. Right? So we get to practice our leadership every day, um, especially in this area. And so as I look at crises, and there are many different definitions of how we look at this, but if you look at most of us deal with critical incidents and then there are those campus-wide emergencies and then what we call those catastrophic events which is really what we're involved in right now with the pandemic um, but if i look at those and just highlighting some of the things that i was experiencing or a part of um, at princeton as you know as you shared i was the vice president for campus life and we had the all the typical critical incidents, but I think there was one campus emergency that was unique, and that was our meningitis outbreak. Mm. Um, and it was unusual because it was a strain, um, it was called a strain type B, which was from a European strain, and there was no vaccine. Oh. Um, so part of what we did as a team throughout the university was to work with the CDC to release um, a vaccine that was in um, the works. 
Um, so I learned a great deal about the Center for Disease Control and many other ways of how you bring a vaccine to um, its final use and to full production. Um, but I think the one that people remind or remember me most about is um, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina at Tulane University in 2005, which truly was a catastrophic event, yeah. which um, closed down the entire Gulf region and, of course, the city of New Orleans and universities in that area. And then at University of Southern California, which you experience just about every type of crisis, mm. I'd say the one that, again, was a catastrophic event. Um, when I was associate vice president there was um, the Los Angeles riots, which basically closed down the city of LA um, and again, transformed that city thing. So we all have our experiences and our events. And I just happened to have the good fortune to be able to practice my crisis leadership throughout my entire time in student affairs work. Well, and, and I, I really appreciate that perspective because you're right. I think all of us who work in student affairs uh, find ourselves to be well-versed in dealing with crisis and, and whether that's on an individual student level or for, for many of us now, it's leading uh, through a campus that is uh, going through a catastrophic event. And so, you know, I really appreciate getting to hear from you and, and your perspective. And I know for me right now, one of the things I really find myself doing is looking for those moments of hope, both in my individual life as well as is in the field. And so I want to hear from you, what, what's giving you hope right now? You know, I think find this a, to be an intriguing question because mm. um, there are two things that come to mind. First, hope is so critical and important to the human nature. Mm. Um, and the second is, uh, prior president in times of crisis who said, hope is not a strategy, hmm. but hope sure carries us through. Um, so what gives me hope is seeing the small things that people are doing to care for each other in a community. Um, I, what else gives me hope is seeing the innovation and the creativity that um, emerges, mm -hmm. right? And I think the other thing that gives me hope is my belief that leadership emerges from everywhere and you find people practicing amazing leadership in some of the most surprising um, areas, right? Mm -hmm. If it is two individuals in a neighborhood who had never met, but all of a sudden a young um, neighbor is helping to take care of and buy groceries, for somebody that's a small practice of care but it has such profound um a profound ripple effect for the present and the future yeah absolutely and 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 you're right we are seeing you know those those moments those small practices of care as you said have always been important but i think we're seeing them particularly elevated right now and uh, i think that's giving that's empowering people to find those acts and, and to do those things. And it is very encouraging and very helpful. Uh, so I have a question that I ask everybody on, on the podcast, but it's particularly fun to get to ask you this question, given uh, your, uh, your role with the ILA and, and your deep leadership expertise. And so I want to know what is it that you are reading or watching or listening to that's outside of what we consider to be the traditional leadership canon that is giving you some insights into leadership right now? John, I love this question. I'm also going to take it one step further. And when I looked at this, 
um, and as we were thinking about this, and as you were as you were just saying, reading and watching, I had to say doing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so for me, the doing where I am learning um, um, the most about leadership, I guess um, pre <laughs> COVID nineteen in my ILA travels the doing would be meeting with other leadership professionals around the world and learning from them within their cultural context. Hmm. That has, is just a blessing that I have, right? In terms of being able to learn from others from so many different perspectives. But since we can't do that anymore and we're all sheltering in place and we're all practicing what I would call spatial distancing because we still need to connect socially. Absolutely. Uh, I find by my daily runs, and I run the same basic pattern, but I mix it up. And in the running, I have time to reflect, but I also have time to see things differently. Um, and so that gives me a different way of looking and asking the questions about leadership every day, right? Mm. Um, and I say another doing is through play. Mm. And play in particular with um, grandchildren because you get to see the creativity um, and the ability to make things up. And there is something about play that brings out the best in leadership. Um, and so as we think about all the things we do in um, our icebreakers or whatever, play is a part of that. And so being free to be innovative and creative allows us, the playing allows us to be better leaders. I love that. Right? Yeah, just, you know, there is, there is such inherent creativity in, in play and creativity and the joy, I think, of play are, are so, such valuable tools for leadership that uh, you're right. What a, what a great way to sort of enhance somebody's leadership capabilities. And John, I think you just said a great word, the joy of play, right? And we've got to find the joy in our work and in our lives. Um, and then I'm going to address and be respectful of your question and talk about the watching. Okay. Right now, um, watching and listening to music mm. and in particular um, orchestras, mm. because in orchestras, you see, you see leadership being played out all the time. If it's the conductor who is taking the lead or if it's the first violin, but you find this, what I would call distributive leadership that occurs within um, um, an orchestra and you learn something about leadership through music all the time. Um, I've also experienced at the Prague Orchestra where there is no conductor and oh. everybody takes on the leadership role at different times. And it's learning when you lead and when you follow. And we, we are all in those roles at different times in our work and in our families, right? We take on different roles and it's learning when to do that. So finding the synchronicity of that is, is one of the things I've learned through watching and listening to music. Um, the other things is that to master it, you have to practice it every day. Um, and in leadership, you have to practice leadership every day and you need to learn when to take the lead and when to step back and allow others to take the leadership role. Absolutely. And, and I think that's a, such an important lesson. You know, so many times I think folks think 
leadership is about being in control all of the time. But, you know, just as you said, we learn from, from a symphony, from the arts that it's not, it's about knowing when it's your moment and knowing when you support those who you're with. And uh, that's a, that's an important skill, I think, to be developed. Well, tell us, you know, we, we are so excited to get to learn from your experience uh, in, in leading in times of crisis. And so if you wouldn't mind just start off with sharing with us some of the lessons that you have learned uh, about leadership in times of crisis. And that I keep learning. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> As we keep learning. Um, I think one that we, we all know, but I think it's important to state is that you have a plan, right? Mm. All of us have plans as we look at different scenarios of crisis. Um, and then we prep and we practice that plan. And then when the crisis occurs, we implement and we improvise because there is no perfect plan. And so it truly is, and especially at Katrina, it was um, building the bridge as we walked on it because we had a good foundation. We had everybody knew what their roles were to be. Then what we learned is what we didn't know. Um, and we all had to collectively come together and um, create the best solutions and do the right things for the right reasons. Um, but I'd say some of the other things that I have learned over the years is one of the things that we've just talked about is that one leader does not make the crisis team. It is really an effective team. And you need to have multiple leaders on your senior team and dispersed throughout the organization. Um, and that can be, you know, of course, our student affairs folks, but also communication people. I mean, I rely on the communication and the public relations people. They were so important and are so important in our work, mm -hmm. as is the president and our facilities and our academic vice presidents. So it's that collective team working together for that purpose and what is the core purpose and then staying true to mission right um, staying true to mission but working towards that purpose uh, for katrina it was opening in january for the usc for the riots it was having graduation a month later mm -hmm. even though the city was turned down and we had the national guard posted on the campus um, and then I'd say the one other thing, and there are lots of lesson learns, um, sure. is the importance of communication um, with clarity and candor and compassion. Mm -hmm. Need to communicate with compassion constantly. And I could go on and on on these, but I think another one is around the importance, especially in catastrophic events, it is to bring a small scale to a large scale crisis. Mm. Always thinking of the individual and the individual staff person and how they're um, reacting and experiencing this may be very different than somebody else. But um, bringing that small scale. Uh, for us um, in Contrita, it was getting out and doing town hall meetings and having face-to-face -face conversations. Mm. Um, the other thing is addressing um, the individual, but the parent, we all have these multiple stakeholders, but how do you 
and I always think about this with huge crises, is how do you bring a small scale to a large scale crisis? That has helped me through so many ways of thinking about in the work that we do collectively together. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's, that's such an important framing of, of the perspective, understanding uh, you know, the people who are affected and, and as, as individuals. Um, and I think one of the things that we try to do in the world of student affairs is, is to help people find and, and make meaning of their experiences. And that idea of meaning making right now is uh, particularly important, but also I think particularly challenging. And so how do we make meaning from this experience right now? And, and how do we help others to do so as well? You know, that's such a, that's a, that is a critical question because meaning making as humans, we always want to make meaning out of um, our experiences. Absolutely. And again, as we talked about, John, every experience is different. Even though it's the same crisis, everybody experiences it just slightly different. Um, so one of the things that we talked about earlier was around communication and how you communicate with clarity. Mm -hmm. And you share information as you know it. Um, because if you, if you don't share communication, people fill in the gaps. That's the first thing. I think it's important to communicate. Um, and we do that often when we don't have all of the information. All right? mm -hmm. We do it with what we know at the time. I think the second is individuals want to get engaged. They want to feel like they are a part of it. Right, And so making meaning includes engaging others in the solutions as much as you can. Mm. Um, so with, uh, I'll go back to um, Katrina, in many ways it was allowing others, right? Remember every university in the United States had a part of the Gulf Coast and Katrina because everybody brought students and took in students. Mm -hmm. And everybody wanted to um, volunteer in the um, Gulf region and in New Orleans. In fact, it got so overwhelming, we had to hire people when we were um, eliminating positions because we couldn't manage all the influx, right? But people want to make meaning and they want to be helpful. So engaging and listening is so important as people try to make sense out of this and out of the pandemic, um, the meaning making is still unfolding. Right? Mm -hmm. But we do have some ways, even at the ILA, we are engaging um, our ILA members, certain ILA members and inviting them to write a blog for us mm -hmm. of their perspective from their part of the world on what this pandemic means in terms of leadership. And the number of people who have said, I would love to do that because it's helping them to make meaning, but it's yeah. also helping others to make meaning out of this. Now, it's from a leadership lens, but it's one of the ways that professionally, NASPA professionals and ILA professionals use the lens of leadership to make meaning out of this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you're right. I think we find ourselves working on our own, working as individuals to make meaning for ourselves. But then there's so, there's such power in sharing that meaning that you have made and hoping that that 
help somebody else to do the same and, and helps them uh, make sense and make meaning, uh, knowing they have a different perspective, but sometimes your perspective can be helpful for them there. So we all do it in our own small way. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, that's interesting. And, and you, you touched on this a little bit, but what's unique or what feels unique right now anyway about this pandemic is the scale. You know, it's, it's different than uh, other c catastrophes that folks have gone through where there were people who could say, I'm not affected by that. Uh, it, this is global and there's nobody who is observing or is leading from a distance. Folks are affected in different ways and, and some more closely or, or more strongly than others. But what does this globality of this the fact that everybody is affected in some way, how does that change our experience of it? You mean like we're not just watching it on TV? We That's are all, right. We are all actors? That's, yes, we're, we're all actors and we don't, I mean, I think about, you know, you, with Katrina, everybody wanted to find a way to help uh, New Orleans and, and help the folks who were there because they were removed from it. Here, in this case, no one is removed. Right. We're all in this together. Absolutely. And this is a great example of our world today. We mm. live and work in an interdependent networked world. We are all global citizens. And if you think about it, I, I use the metaphor of the, um, um, the Russian dolls, where one Russian mm. doll is um, posed into another one, and you keep opening the lid and you pull out another and another and another. Yeah. We are all interconnected that way right we are all part of this and even though we don't want to think of ourselves as global citizens this brings to the reality that we are all we are all citizens of this world mm -hmm. and there are no boundaries around the air i mean and that's very evident there are no boundaries in terms of climate and climate change everything is impacted and even though we maybe intellectually knew that, what this pandemic does is this virus makes it real for all of us on how connected we are, interconnected we are. You're right. I mean, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a literal example of that, right? We, we are experiencing this virus because of how interconnected we are. Um, and so we're seeing what that means you know, firsthand. Exactly. The other thing that, that, you know, is common in catastrophes is that uh, things change quickly uh, and seem to happen fast. Uh, but in this case, it feels like things have been changing quickly and happening fast every day for months now. Um, when, you're, when you're experiencing that, this constant sort of churn and flux, What's the best way to, for you, do you think, to lead and manage in that sort of situation? You know, it's, it's interesting. If you think about the pandemic, and this is, um, if you think about how we all experience it differently, if you are watching some of our political leaders, right, or our, our um, governors, um, this is nonstop for them. Yeah. It is, um, this is the part of the crisis leadership that I would call um, um, uh, leading on steroids, right? It's leadership mm -hmm. on steroids because mm -hmm. you are going nonstop. At the same time, for many of us, we are sheltering in place and it gives us time. I mean, it's consuming us 
Um, but we also have time to reflect um, and to slow down, if you will, in some ways, to enjoy some of the small things in life that we maybe forgot because of how hurried we are. So I think we have to also look at the, and this is one of the paradox of, of crises. It's, it's people who are going nonstop and others who are involved with it, but at a slower pace. Mm -hmm. That's this pandemic for us. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an and both. Um, but if I think about leading and managing through this pandemic um, and just thinking in general terms about leading and managing through global crises or uh, as we talked about catastrophic events, first off, there is no one best way. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that we have learned. But if you think about some of um, the um, concepts around leadership that are important and leadership that has been studied, I'd say there are some that are very important right now. Um, one is disruptive leadership. Hmm. Crisis leadership is a form of disruptive leadership, right? Now, it's not intentional, right, where you intentionally want to disrupt the system, right. but it does shake things up. It unfreezes typical social norms and ways of doing um, so that we have to be creative and innovative. Um, but it does create new solutions, and often those are better solutions. Hmm. So there is a form of disruptive leadership in this time that is unfolding, if you think about it. The other that I would say is around authentic leadership, the importance of authenticity as you lead through this um, is so important, right? Because if you think about it, it goes back to communication. You have to communicate, a leader needs to communicate clearly, candidly, and with compassion, mm -hmm. right? And if you think of some of the um, governors that people are watching now, both coasts, if you look at New York and you look at California, two very, very different styles mm -hmm. of, of individuals, but their leadership is around communicating clearly. And another one is being decisive and adaptable, right? You've got to make decisions, sometimes in the spur of the moment. So you've got to be decisive, but you also have to be adaptable mm -hmm. on this. I think the other thing is you have to fight for your own survival and you have to reach out to others. Yeah. In this pandemic, that is so important. And that's probably the part we're not seeing as much um, at this point. Some of what I'm reading is talking about maybe this will bring to light the importance of our um, global associations like the United Nations and world health and how do we really give them the um, influence that they need to for us to be cooperative across all entities in this world we're not there but perhaps this is the hope right. that um, it, it may um, help us to get to that entity and you've got to do the right things for the right reasons mm -hmm. right and then um, um, when you do that you'll come out of it okay yeah it, you know, just as as you said, because this highlights how interconnected we all are, any response uh, relies on a lot of cooperation uh, on, from a lot of folks, you know, on a global scale. And those organizations that that hopefully exist to encourage that, you're right, can really take a lead. It can really make a difference 
uh, in, in bringing folks together uh, in, in that cooperation that's gonna be necessary. So, you know, eventually we, we will get through this. We will be on the other side of it. Uh, we don't know when, we don't know what, what the other side looks like right now, uh, but there will be a transition out of this. How do we manage in that transition? What does that look like for us? To me, that's getting to the, to the other side sometimes can be the most challenging and the hardest mm -hmm. part um, of going through a catastrophic crisis. Um, but I think if you are aware of that and you pay attention to it, um, you get through this better. Okay. I look at it and I uh, read a lot and I had other vice presidents when we were going through Katrina that helped me with this part of it in saying how much you have to pay attention to your staff and to your faculty and to your students as you move past the major catastrophe, right? So there is um, what Bridges calls in transition, this whole series of letting go. So you're letting go of some of the things that you did and you have to grieve. You have to grieve the letting go of some of the things you don't want to let go of, but you may have to, because it's hard, right? It is really hard. Um, there may be certain rituals that are good to let go of. Maybe like handshaking is a good right. ritual to let go of. Um, <laughs> but then there's what I call the tweener stage, and that's the hardest. If all of us have experienced um, the loss of a loved one, right? And there is everybody there at the beginning, and then all of a sudden you're there by yourself. So after a catastrophe, after the media has gone home, there is that stage that's the hardest. Um, for Katrina, it, was, it wasn't during the time, it wasn't even the first few months when we were back on campus. It was three or four months after that and into the next summer and hurricane season that was the most challenging because you're in that limbo and you're dealing with, with individuals' emotions um, and that feeling of being in between. And then you get to the beginning anew um, and being clear about what that is and celebrating the victories is so important. But the beginning anew can, like you know, the Chinese idiom for crisis, design an opportunity, it can lend itself to opportunity to do things in better ways and to question some of the things we used to do that maybe we could do better. Hmm. Right? So one of the things, John, that you and I just talked about is around does this pandemic allow us to think about international associations differently, the World Health, the United Nations, to truly bring to light cooperation across all countries. Yeah. Is that a big ask? Absolutely. Is it important? Absolutely. Yeah, and it also seems like this is, this is the time for big asks, right? When we are now thinking about every, we have had to do things, everything differently, think about everything differently. Um, and this is an opportunity to ask those things, ask those questions that seemed impossible up until now, I think. Exactly. What, so 
for folks out there who are engaged in leadership at all levels, uh, whether that's in a positional leadership role or leading in their families or communities, what advice would you have for folks as they are transitioning out of this? What, what, what's it going to take to lead well in that transition? I think one of the things that throughout the, um, this crisis and beyond is there is something unique about this in the sense that we can all practice leadership and followership in different ways, right? So the followership is the really listening to some of our, our um, um, positional leaders, political leaders who are talking about, you know, the, the social distancing, you know, spatial distancing. Um, there are things we need to be good followers hmm. and also being good leaders, right? Because we do have some control over this in terms of how we can make a difference. If you think about um, this, you know, staying at home um, has in a way had some unintended consequences that are good. Think around the world around climate mm -hmm. and how um, it has made a difference. In China, I mean, I don't know about you, I've been in China where the, the smog was so thick you couldn't see six feet in front of you, much less distance yourself six feet, the person in front of you. Right. But now it is, it is, it's been clear. We've had the same experience here in the States, but this is a great example of how we can take greater control of one of the huge problems affecting all of us, which is climate, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a sense of that. But going back to your original question, uh, I go back again to um, um, authentic leadership and the importance of that, especially coming through this phase. And again, going back to the sense of compassion and empathy, um, because it is a time that will be difficult as we move that. The urgency will be gone, but the criticality of what we do is still so important. Absolutely. Well, this has been this has been so helpful for me to think about what leadership looks like during this time, and and I, I, I so appreciate your experience and wisdom in this. So, the last question that I always like to ask folks, and, and again, it's fun to get to ask you this, knowing that you you know, teach and, and speak and work and think about leadership all of the time. And so, for you, what's the next question about leadership that you're currently thinking about? So, these are the multiple questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, yes. Going back to we talked about our interdependency um, and being uh, the president of an international leadership association, I'd be remiss if one of those big questions wasn't around global leadership. Absolutely. Right? So global leadership is critical. And at the same time, community leadership. Those two are not um, a one or the other. It's an and both. Hmm. And we have to look at cultural context but we also have to look at how in this interdependent, interrelated world, how we influence and lead across different cultures and contexts. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? So that's a critical question. The other one that is emerging out of this work, I mean, we're talking about crisis leadership right now, but, and that's important. The other is around virtual leadership. Mm -hmm. We are gonna find the way we work and lead is gonna to continue to change 
because of technology, but also because of, of um, a global crisis like this. So virtual leadership, what does it mean to lead a virtual team? That's going to be the second. And then the third that I've been thinking about for a while is how we continue to integrate leadership across all diverse fields because leadership does not exist in a vacuum nor does it exist in one um, field one field or study per se Absolutely. if it's political but i'm thinking more and more around the social and natural sciences and those are going to be import, important for us to think about leadership in different ways for the present and the future Wow. Yeah. What great questions to be, to be thinking about and what great opportunities we have right now to, to do that. So thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, again, really appreciate your wisdom and, and, and insights and uh, what an encouraging voice in this time to think about leadership. So Cynthia Cherry, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. Thank you, John, so much for having me and best to all of my student affairs colleagues. Yes, absolutely. And, and thanks to all of you out there for joining us for the NASPA Leadership Podcast presented by the NASPA Student Leadership Programs Knowledge Community. Uh, you can get more information about the knowledge community on our various social media, uh, including Twitter, we're at NASPA SLPKC, Instagram, we're NASPA underscore SLPKC. And you can connect with me on Twitter. I'm at John Mark Day. Uh, and we have put information about the International Leadership Association uh, and more about Cynthia Cherry in the description for the podcast. You can check it out there. And if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or you have suggestions for topics we should be talking about or people we should be talking to, we want to hear from you. Uh, you can send us an email at naspaleaderpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Cynthia, thank you again for joining us. Thanks, everybody out there for listening.